uh, one more thing is like uh, Kat was saying next week is resurrection seed offering I want you to pray about this sincerely and there's a reason for it interest is going up we're all aware of that we don't know what it will be in the future but I do know this every dollar we pay now is a dollar we don't pay interest on since we've been coming that last year alone was a, a fantastic year for the resurrection seat offering over sixty thousand dollars was gathered last year and do, do you realize how much money that has saved the church just on a $60,000 loan, think about that, on a $60,000 loan, if you were paying the interest on that. And yet over the years that we've been doing this, we've taken, uh, we've, we've paid more than 100000 probably, around, my guess is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of $130,000 to $150,000 off of the loan. So that's money that you, we don't have to pay interest on anymore. So let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. That literally saves thousands of dollars. So if, if whatever you're giving, you, you need to probably, in your mind, multiply that by four or five because that's usually what happens in a loan. You pay several times more than you're giving. You think, you know, but how many of you have ever paid for a car before? And then when you started figuring out how much you gave for that car, you thought, man, I could have had a brand new SUV, you know, for that price, it was, you know, or a house. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Kings, the 18th chapter. So I want to talk to you today about, let me ask a question. How many of you have ever been on a phone call and you just could not hear the person on the other end, that there's something wrong with the connection. Anybody? You know, and then so you get this gobbledygook, you know, on there, and it's like, hey, yeah, Thursday, yeah. And finally, you just go, hey, you're going to have to hang up and call me back because I can't understand a word you're saying. Something's been going on with my daughter's phone over in, it may be, where they live at that's causing it but I've had my daughter call me my granddaughter call me and they sound like some robot off of Star Wars man they come on and I mean it just is irritating and I go I, I, I'm saying hey hang up and call me back because you sound like R2-D2 right now man I can't I can't make anything out of what you're saying and so it they have to disconnect so they can reconnect. And that's what I'm preaching on today. You have to disconnect so you can reconnect. Uh, about a month ago, well, actually for probably over a year, maybe two years, we've had a problem up in the tech booth that's been driving all of us wild. And it's, there was like this hum that was coming in and we could not figure out where it was coming from we had tried to run everything down and everything looked right and everything seemed like it and, and it didn't do it all the time it was like what is going on and so Mike found this cord and he said well I know it can't be that cord but he he decided he would you know he's going to check everything and he plugged the cord in and unplugged it and connection was fine but he said I'm just going to try it one more time and when he reached down and got a hold of it found out the problem wasn't in the plug it was in the cord itself that it had come apart on the inside and it was touching but it wasn't con connected you know what I'm talking about it's got come here a minute babe run up here quick I'm thank you so like I, I can put out your finger so I can touch her and if, if but I'm not I'm not getting the connection like I want until I, until I, okay, you can have a seat. I can have a seat. Yeah, I can get, get off of me. No, I'm kidding, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I'll see you later, honey. Okay, so, but what, what I'm saying is that, that I'm not getting the connection I want because I'm just barely touching and hear me and our walk with God Sometimes we have to disconnect so we can reconnect 
And I want you to, I want you to pay close attention today at this message because it's something that God spoke to me about three weeks ago and I actually wrote this down on a note card and was sitting on my desk and then today I thought I need to preach this after the series so I want to talk to you if you go to uh, 1 Kings the 18th chapter you can follow the story through I'm going to tell the story to you it's a story about a prophet named Elijah Elijah shows up on the scene, and the king of Israel is Ahab. Now, Ahab isn't just any old king. He holds a trophy for being the most wicked king that Israel had ever known. And so Elijah goes up to him, and he tells the king, he said, I want you to understand something. It's not going to rain again until I say so. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? But he had God backing him up. In other words, this wasn't Elijah speaking for himself. This was Elijah speaking for God. And what God was saying is, King, I'm ready to let you know that you may think you're in charge, but I'm the one that's got the ultimate say in this. And it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. For three years, they go without rain. How many of you have ever been thirsty before? How many of you... How many of you were so thirsty it felt like cotton in your mouth? How many of you, when you experienced that, didn't get a drink for three years? No, right? I mean, we're, 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 it's right now. I need it right now. And, man, I've, I mean, I, I've been fishing before and be out there sweating and in the heat, and, man, my mouth dried out, and I'm thinking, you fish, you're going to have to wait. i got to go get me something to drink. And so, you know, go get an ice water and bring it in, you know, to be able to drink it so I can move forward. God is going to take care of Elijah. How many of you know that we've got a God that knows how to take care of us? Amen. Here's a problem, is God takes care of us in ways that we don't understand. As a matter of fact, God takes care of us in ways that a lot of times we don't think it's the right way. Any of you have a conversation with God and let God know why he was wrong? Oh, come on, be honest, you know. If you've, if you've ever been there and it's kind of like, God, look, I know you're in, you, you know, but I really think you kind of missed it this time. You know, we, we tend to have our own idea about how things ought to go. Now, I want you to think about what God does. God tells Elijah, he said, you go down to this brook, and I have commanded, I love that, I have commanded a raven. Wow. I mean, God can even make the animals obey him. So if a bear comes after you, pray. A raven is going to show up every morning and every evening with bread and meat to take care of Elijah. And then after a while, the brook dried up and a change had to happen. How many of you don't like change? Wave your hand if you don't. Be honest. How many of you don't like change? I love change. I got, I got a whole wardrobe of socks. I got about three pairs of shoes. But I got, no, I'm kidding. I got, I got about, no, I got all kinds of shoes, sketchers. I don't have a lot of dress shoes, but I got all kinds of socks, man. I got crazy socks. And it's, it's like, and, and I wanted all these socks because I like change. And Debbie told me, she said, you got, you don't need any more socks. You got a drawer full of socks, but I like change. A lot of times we, how many of us got a favorite season? We got a favorite season, right? And when that season comes along, Sometimes we don't want that season to change. But I want you to hear me. Until you're willing to let go of that. The the other season's coming whether you want it to or not. The key is you're not going to be able to enjoy the other season until you let go of the one you're trying to hang on to. You've You've got to disconnect so you can reconnect. So God speaks to Elijah, and he said, look, I want you to leave this brook. I want you to go down here to where this woman is. She's a widow woman. I've commanded her to sustain you. 
We've got our own idea about what that ought to look like, right? I mean, if God told me there's somebody that's going to sustain you, I'd been looking for a mansion on the hill, a bunch of cattle in the field, you know, a garden full of groceries. This woman Elijah runs into is gathering up a couple of sticks. And Elijah looked at her and said, can you get me a drink of water? And he, she said, yeah. And he said, oh, and by the way, while you're doing that, would you fix me a cake of bread, you know? And, and she looked at him and said, Look, God is my witness. I was getting ready to build a fire. I got a handful of meal and a little bit of oil in a cruise, and I was getting ready to make the last of it so me and my son can eat it and die. It's amazing to me how quickly we're willing to accept our spiritual death. How quickly we're willing to throw up our hands and say, well, I guess it's just not going to happen for me. I guess it wasn't meant to be. What you need to do is get a backbone instead of a wishbone and stand up and say, you know what, devil? You may have tried to take me out, but I'm getting back up. This is an, and, and recognize that it doesn't have to look like what you thought it was supposed to look like for God to use it. And so he is being fed, and he looked at that lady, and that lady's thinking, man, I don't know if I can do this. See, we all have to make a decision whether or not we're going to believe God or not. The lady could have went ahead and prepared the meal, eaten the bread, and she'd have got just what she asked for, death. But instead, she did what the man of God said, and she said, you know what? I, this doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't, uh, I, I can't figure this out, but I'm just going to trust God with this. And so she started preparing it for him. And when she went back to try and get some for her and her boys, she's thinking, man, I know this is empty. And she reached in and here it came. And day after day, week after week, that meal never ran out and the cruise never went dry and God sustained them. Then the Lord, then another season came, and God spoke to Elijah and said, okay, I want you to go show yourself to Ahab. So he goes and introduces himself to Ahab, and Ahab saw him, and he said, you're the one that troubled Israel. And Elijah looked at him and said, I'm not the one that caused this trouble. You did because of your actions. He said, but I want you, I'm, God's done playing games, so you go gather up your 450 prophets of Baal and meet me on Mount Carmel. Everybody say Mount Carmel. He said, meet me on Mount Carmel. And he gets up there and he gathers all of Israel is up there. And he says, look, he said, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? You need to make up your mind which side of the fence you're on. Either Baal is God or the Lord is God. And if Baal is God, then serve him. But if the Lord is God, then get rid of Baal and serve the Lord. And he said, this is how we're going to determine this. We're going to set up an altar and I'm going to let all the prophets of Baal offer a bull on that altar and then I'm going to. And the one, the God that answers by fire, let him be Lord of all. And all the people said, yeah. They were ready for the showdown, man. This is like a Clint Eastwood movie, you know. And they're, they're waiting for it to happen. So the prophets of Baal gather together and they start in hollering out to Baal. And they're going through all the motions. And they're, you know, how, how many of you have ever seen someone go through the motions? You know what I'm talking about? Praise the Lord. I just can't. I, I just want to let you know how much I care about you. I think that woman wears lipstick. You know what I'm talking about? I sure do. I, I'm saying, you know, it, it's like, it's like they're, they're not really there. And all, but they're going through the motions. And listen, it doesn't matter what kind of motions you're going through. If you're serving something that's not God, you ain't getting an answer. They go through it, man. It goes up on into noon. They start dancing around on that thing. And Elijah starts looking at him saying, maybe you need to yell a little bit louder. Maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe your God is asleep. Maybe your God is in the outhouse relieving himself. Don't look at me that way. That's what the scripture said. He said, maybe he's relieving. Just, just come on, just wake him up. And then they got desperate and they started cutting themselves. So, Pastor, that doesn't have anything to do with us, doesn't it? How many people do you know that have struggled with cutting themselves? Why? Because it's out of desperation. They can't get an answer. And they begin to cut. They can't get an answer. They begin to pop pills. 
they can't get an answer. They press a bottle up against their lips. God didn't intend for you to drown your sorrow. He wanted you to bring that sorrow to him so he could heal it, so he could take care of it. Amen? Running from trouble doesn't make trouble go away. It's just there when you get back. So you, God's saying, look, just stand your ground. They cut themselves, no answer. Elijah steps up, repairs the altar of the Lord, and he says, bring some water over here because I want everybody to understand that this isn't sleight of hand. He saturates that bull with water until it runs down over the wood, down the rocks that he's gathered together. He's gathered 12 big rocks and set up to symbolize the tribes of Israel. And he's dug a trench around that altar. And so the waters run down all of that and into the trench and filled the trench. And then he called out to God. Man, have any of you ever seen lightning strike up close and personal? I was in a car driving down Highway 61 toward Benton, Missouri. And Marty, I was about from me to you, and there was a utility box, or a, not a utility box, what's that called? A transformer up on a utility pole. And lightning hit it. I mean, right in front of me, man. It, I saw the lightning come through, and pow! Got your attention now, don't I? And, and, and man, it hit that, and I'm telling you, it blinded me. There was a whiteout. That, that was so blind. It was such a power burst. I couldn't see. I let off of the accelerator, and I was trying to see. A, there was a big flash of white in front of my eyes, and then spots started appearing. I thought, my heart's going, boom, 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 boom. Can you imagine what it was like for that crowd that day when all of a sudden Elijah praying to God and God opened up the sky and boom, man. And I'm telling you that fire came down. It didn't just consume the bull. It didn't just eat the wood up. It burnt the stones to nothing. Do you realize how intense that had to be? There are no stones left. It, it licked up all the dust. All the water's gone. There's just a smoking from where that thing hit. And all the people started yelling, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. Maybe what we need is a little bit of fire in here. Maybe if we start to begin to say, God, let some fire get inside of me. And they begin to declare it. Man, Elijah is in his heyday. He grabs the prophets of Baal. He, the people grab them. He said, take them down here. He, he destroys the prophets of Baal, and he's not done yet. All of a sudden, how many of you have ever felt the presence of God to where it started making you, you know, tremble a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Wave your hand at me if you know what I'm talking about. Man, all of a sudden when that happened to him, he's, and he looks over and he said, there's a sound of an abundance of rain. Everybody say, do you hear the sound? I want you to hear me for a second because sometimes we can be in the same room and hear two different things. It's because of what we're tuned into. If you want to hear, you know, when we were out in this parking lot doing that revival, you could get on the FM radio and hear everything that was going on in the parking lot if you were tuned in to the right station. Just being on the FM band wasn't going to cut it. Just coming into a church and sitting in a chair does not mean that you're tuned in to the right frequency. But when you get tuned in, something's going to start happening inside of you until all of a sudden and you start saying, man, I hear something. I, I feel something. I tell Ahab he better, he, he better get ready. And he goes up and he begins to pray and he sends a servant away and he said, you, you go tell me what you see. And he comes back and he said, I don't see anything. You don't see anything. Go back again. Goes back again. He comes back. He said, what do you see? He said, I don't see nothing. Said, man, the third time, everybody say third time's a charm. Not this time. <laughs> he goes back the third time. He says, what do you see? He said, I don't see nothing. How many of us, 
When we pray to God and we're looking for God for something and it don't happen after we prayed three times, all of a sudden now we're throwing up our hands and saying, well, I guess it just God just doesn't want to do it. God just isn't going to answer me. God just isn't going to take care of me. Listen to me. You've got to get the tenacity of a bulldog. Lay hold of the promise of God. Refuse to let go of it. He sent that boy back seven times. And at the seventh time, the boy came back and said, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. And it didn't excite the boy, but it sure excited Elijah. <laughs> and Elijah jumped up and he said, you go tell Ahab to get off of the mountain so that the rain doesn't stop him. But he's not done yet. Man, all of a sudden, the power of God hit Elijah. He grabbed his robe up. He took off running. He ran in front of Ahab's chariot and he ran nearly 20 miles into Jezreel and outran those horses somebody tell me that God's not God somebody say oh hear what I'm saying you may feel like the journey's too much for you but when God touches you you're going to feel like you're on angels wings you're going to feel like God is picking you up and carrying you where you've never been able to go before Everybody say power. Something happens here, though, that's, that's unique. As soon as he gets into Jezreel, Jezebel threatens him, and he takes off. He runs. At his highest point of victory, he faces his biggest trial. After everything he just experienced, he is running scared. Why? Because he's running empty. Have you ever put in a hard day's work, and after that day you came home and you just collapsed? Said spouse or friend or someone said, let's go to town. Man, I don't feel like going anywhere. I am shot. See, sometimes folks don't get this, but when you minister and the anointing of God comes on you, it'll make you feel like Superman. There were times that I was on the field for 21 years, and there were times while I was on the field that I would preach so hard that my pants would be soaked with sweat. There would be a white line around my pants that was a salt line from my body. Gerald was in a service with me when I was preaching revival, and I'd preached so hard that there was water dripping, well, it was sweat dripping off of my tie. I had soaked my clothes. And you're in that midst where there's fire. And there's a whirlwind, man. There's there's wind coming. And and, and you and, and man, you feel the power and the presence of God. But when you come off of that. You're exhausted, and you're empty. Here's the thing. It's when you pour out to people, you have to remember to let God pour back in to you. You can't feed others and not feed yourself, or it puts you in a very precarious place. I have seen it over and over again where ministry at their highest point all of a sudden would bottom out because you got to have more than just some thunder and lightning you need to have more than just some wind and fire so what are you getting at he runs from there he goes into a desert place by himself he, go, he falls asleep, man. He just falls asleep, and an angel comes and wakes him up and said, get up and eat. And he got up, and he ate, and what did he do? He went back to sleep. Now, I can promise you that if an angel woke me up out of a dead sleep, the last thing I'm going to go is roll over and fall back asleep, man. I mean, that just ain't going to happen. You say, oh, you don't know. I do know that. I, God woke up in the middle of the night by an angel. 
I had one walk in my room. I thought it was my wife dressed in a wedding gown, and I propped myself up in the bed and got ready to say, what are you doing with that dress on? And when I propped up, I felt Debbie laying on my arm. Man, she woke my heart pounding is what woke her up. My heart's a ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. She woke up and said, what is it? I turned back to look at the angel, and it was, it was gone. And I said, did you see that? She said, see what? Man, I dropped down on my knees. I got out of bed on my knees. I told her what I saw. I started praying. She said, you ain't leaving me in this bed alone. And buddy, she, she dropped down on the, on the floor beside me and started praying. And as I started praying, this is what God spoke to me. God spoke all things. It was a scripture. He said, all things are ready. Bid them come. What's he saying? He's saying you can't afford to get sidetracked now. All things are ready. You can't afford to take a, to, to take a chill pill. All things are ready. But sometimes you've got to disconnect so you can reconnect. He goes in the strength of that food for 40 days and nights. He winds up at a place called Horeb. Everybody say Horeb. Now, this is, this is important. I want you to get this. So I want us to look at his journey. He starts at Carmel. Everybody say Mount Carmel. This is what the name means. Mount Carmel means a plentiful pay, place, a fruitful land. He starts out in a revival. He starts out, and after a drought, man, the power of God is hit, and he's got stuff going on. Everybody say, going on. He ends up at a place called Horeb. The word Horeb means desolate or dried up. But hear me. It said that he, was, he went to Horeb at the Mount of God. Now, I want you to catch this. Because when you feel desolate and you're dried up, the only way you're going to get poured back into is at a place where God is, the Mount of God. Somebody say it with me, the Mount of God. Now watch, watch what happens when he, get, when he gets to this mount. Look, look at this. In 1911, it says, the Lord speaks to him and he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Now, watch this phrase. And behold, the Lord passed by. Somebody say that with me. The Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... A still small voice. Where it said he's not in the wind, he wasn't in the earthquake, and he wasn't in the fire. But let me remind you, he is the one that brought the wind. It said the Lord passed by. He brought the wind, he brought the earthquake, and he brought the fire. Where has Elijah experienced this before? On Mount Carmel. There is a fire that comes down and consumes that sacrifice. He feels a wind pick up. It talks about that after he saw that hand, it said that the clouds grew dark and a wind picked up and he starts to gird himself up in the wind. Now what about the earthquake? Let's look at the word earthquake. The word earthquake there in that passage means vibration, confused noise, rattling. It comes from a Hebrew word that means undulate, which is to vibrate, to move back and forth, to wave as undulating air. How many of you have ever been in a thunderstorm that could rock your house? You ever been in a thunderstorm where all of a sudden you're just sitting in there and man, it starts shaking everything around? It's the sound of an abundance of rain. 
place. He had come from a place where God is working, and he poured himself out in that place to the point that now he's empty, and the only way he can get filled back up is in the presence of God. So God brings everything through the mountain for him to see it, but he can't find God in it because sometimes that's the only place we think God exists is in the fire and the wind and in the earth shaking, and yet God was telling him, no, you need to get well acquainted with me. And a still, small voice spoke, a gentle whisper, an intimate person-to-person, one-on-one conversation is where he found God. And when he found God that way, God started filling him up. All of a sudden, God starts speaking to him, and he said, boy, let me explain something to you. I'm not done with you yet. You may, you may feel like you're the only one, and he did. He's letting God know. He said, look, man. Hey, God asked him. He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm the only one left. He said, man, all of Israel's forsaken you. They've killed all the prophets. I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. And God says, let me get things in perspective for you. One is, I'm not done with you. So you're going to go anoint the King Hazel of Syria. You're going to anoint Jehu of Israel, and you're going to anoint Elijah to be prophet in your stead. Sometimes the devil is trying to empty you out because he doesn't want you to fulfill the rest of your purpose for God. He's trying to get you in a desolate place. And when he got through with that, and he started to walk away from there, and he said, Elijah, just one more thing, son. I want you to understand that I've got 7,000 others that have never bowed a knee to Baal or kissed his lips. There are times that we feel like we're the only one going through it. We feel like we're all alone. But let me share with you, God's got a people that will not bend. They're not going to bow and they're not going to burn. When you reconnect, it can become powerful. Matter of fact, when Elijah leaves that place, he goes, a king sends a troop, a, a, a general with 50 men to arrest him. Elijah's up on a mountain. What would you do if all of a sudden you looked out to your house tomorrow and there's a SWAT team with 50 guys out there holding ARs? Uh, Ed Jones, we know you're in there. Come out. That's why they call up that mountain and said, man of God, the king has said, come down. Elijah stood up, said, if I'm a man of God, let fire come out of heaven and consume you and your 50. Boom. Toast. The king sends another group. Man of God, the king said, come down now. Stood up, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down out of heaven and consume you and your 50. Poof chicken fricassee <laughs> then it comes down to the last part he sends another the king's not worried he's not the one going he sends another captain with 50 that captain goes up there drops down on his knees and said man of god please please don't kill me please man I'm, i don't want to be here the king told me to tell you to come down please don't call on fire I want to tell you that God can cause even your enemies to humble at your feet. Somebody say it with me. Disconnect to reconnect. Say, you really believe that? Oh, man. We have to have our alone time with God. Just ask Jesus. In the book of Matthew, they come to Jesus and they tell him that his cousin has had his head chopped off. John the Baptist is dead. When that happens, Jesus gets in a ship and he heads to a desolate place. That's what the scripture says. He heads to a desolate place. What does Horeb mean? It means desolate. What's Jesus doing? Jesus is saying, I got to get along with God. He goes to a desolate place, but the people see him. 
and the people run in front of him and they're there when he gets there waiting for him at this desolate place. And when he sees the people, he has compassion on them. I want you to hear me, guys. Because when, when God is in you, you can't help but have compassion on people. I've seen folks, you know, that if, if somebody goes through something and then all of a sudden they're going to stamp, you know. <laughs> Compassion doesn't mean that you agree. Compassion means that you're trying to help. So Jesus has compassion on those folks and he reaches out to minister to them. He's healing them. He's, how many of you would like to be healed? That's what God does. He's healing them. I've watched folks get healed without being anybody touching them. I watched people got, get healed in a meeting. I, I knew a, a, the, the minister that was here before, Brother Walls, he, his back had been out. Man, they brought him to church on a stretcher, had him up there, and they were praying for him, and he still couldn't get up. But while he was up there, he reached over to pray for someone else, and God healed him. <laughs> See, he, he, you can't help but give of yourself. And so he's giving of himself, and then all of a sudden, after that, after he's done that, he, the, the disciples come to him and said, send these folks home. Because, man, we're in a desolate place out here. Send them, send them into town so they can get some food. And Jesus looked at him and said, you feed them. He said, how are we supposed to feed this multitude of people? Hey, you, if you got a pencil on you, I want to do a math problem for you real quick. Say, five loaves, say it with me, plus two fish equals one miracle. And that's what they did. They brought him five loaves, two fish, and they got one miracle. He fed that multitude with five loaves and two fish. Now, here's where it gets interesting. After he did that, he looked at the people, he looked at his disciples, and he insisted that they get in a boat and go to the other side. Everybody say he insists. Then he turns around and he sends the people home. Everybody say he sent them home. And then the scripture says that he went up in a mountain by himself to pray. And when night came, he was alone there. Because Jesus understand he understood that I've got to disconnect so I can reconnect. I'm getting ready to wrap this up. Go with me to a place called Gethsemane. He knows his hour has come. And he's got to disconnect from everyone. He told his disciples at one point, he said, I'm not going to talk with you much from here on out, he said, because the prince of this world comes and he's got nothing in me. What's he saying? He's saying, I don't have time for idle chit-chat now. He said, I'm focused. My, my, my greatest victory is coming, but it's also my most trying moment. And I can't do it empty. So he disconnects from everyone so he can connect with God. He goes into the garden. He drops down. He, he doesn't even take, he, he puts one group of the disciples at one place. He takes Peter, James, and John with him to another place. But then he even separates from them. And he goes and he's by himself at a rock and he's praying. And he's praying with such fervor. The Bible said that his sweat came as great drops of blood. That's not a metaphor. That's, there is a medical condition that happens in your body that when you're under so much stress, the capillaries in your blood system will rupture and cause you to secrete blood through the sweat glands of your body. He is literally sweating blood, and he's crying out, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to die. I don't want to die, God. Lord, let this pass from me. 
me. And it's all coming down, man. And the, but then all of a sudden, uh, he starts to connect. Uh, and he says, but not my will, uh, but thy will be done. Uh, and the Bible said that an angel showed up uh, and ministered to him. Uh, and when he stepped up from there, uh, you need to understand that he had disconnected, uh, but he had reconnected. Uh, and when he reconnected, uh, it meant power. Uh, and so he stood in that garden uh, with a band of soldiers facing him down. Uh, and he said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, and he said, I am he. Uh, and when he said that, come on, somebody. When he said that, you talk about lightning. Uh, you talk about thunder. Uh, you talk about the power of God. Uh, we've got to reconnect uh, with the power uh, of a living God uh, so we can see his will done in this earth. Would you stand with me, brother? My daughter never likes storms. I love them. I'll go stand on my porch when it's lightning and thundering. Man, I'm talking about... I've been on my porch sometimes, man, when the lightning got so intense, I stepped back inside the house. I said, love you, God, but I don't want to take any chances out here. Power. See, sometimes we get so busy doing his, doing his, doing ministry. We get so busy doing stuff for God that we deplete ourselves. And you have to disconnect to reconnect. That's why when I go on a vacation, I don't go where there's a bunch of people. I like to go to the mountains and I can stand or sit at the foot of a mountain all day. Because when I look up at that mountain, I see God. I look at the majesty of that mountain and man, my heart is just moved. I've walked the sands of beaches of Trinidad and looked out across an ocean and realized where the water ends Africa begins. And I was in awe of God on cruise ships where there was a balcony in our room and I'd stand out on that balcony and I'd see those waves and I thought, man, if I went overboard here, nobody would ever know, but God would. How awesome is God that he knows when I'm empty, that he knows when I'm hurting. And he's saying, come away with me. I want to hang out with you for a while. I want to pour back into you what you've been pouring out to others. Freely you've received, freely give. But don't forget, after you've given, you need to get back in line <laughs> to get some more. Are you ready for God to, to reconnect to God in a way that fills you up till now you're not operating out of fear? You're not operating out of desperation? You're not operating empty? But it's overflowing. Somebody say it with me. I got some lightning up in here. <laughs> hey, you guys think, yeah, I mean, a lot of you think I, I'm, I'm wild now, man. If you'd have known me then. I mean, I am really calm compared to what I used to be. Somebody said, well, they told me, they said, when you get older, all that will leave you. It hasn't left. I just can't jump as high as I used to. <laughs> I still feel the fire. I still feel that wind of God. And he still shakes my world. And I don't ever want that to stop. But I understand that if I'm going to stand in the presence of the wind 
the fire and the earthquake, I have to get alone with God and let that gentle whisper, that intimate conversation, that one-on-one -on -one back and forth with God speak to me. How many of you ready for that? And stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. If you're able to, if you're able to walk down here, if not, just keep your hands raised where you're at. God, we come to you today with something specific that there were, we're asking you. And what we're asking you, God, is this, is first of all, we want to thank you for the fire and the wind and the earth-shaking move of your presence that we experience. But God, we're asking you to help us to remember to disconnect so we can reconnect. Help us to be able to find that place alone with you where we're listening for that gentle whisper and recognizing that everything doesn't come in a clap of thunder. Where we're intent on hearing and having that conversation when you gently speak our name. When God whispers your name, make sure you can hear him. Father, we ask you to equip us for the day that's in front of us because the season is changing. The devil knows his time is short and he's trying to rally the troops. <laughs> God, if I can get alone with you for a moment, then when I step out of your presence, there's going to be fire in me. There's going to be the wind of revival in me. God, in your earth-shaking power can manifest itself through me. Here I am, God. Use me now in Jesus' name. Would you give him a hand clap of praise right now? So this is what I'm asking you to do this week. I mean, I can preach this message, but if, you know, I have to try and get alone to hear from God for what he wants me to speak here. And then when I speak it to you, you have to be able to grab hold of it and process it. So if I'm not getting my alone time with God, I'm going to miss it. I'm, I'm not going to be able to grab it. And if you're not getting your alone time with God, you're not going to be able to grab what I'm saying. So this is the final conclusion today. Is this week, each one of us need to find some alone time with God. Just, I mean, sometimes I go on a walk with God. Sometimes I, 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 I have a campfire with God. And I'm just alone and I start talking to God and I'm telling you there's something special. When all of a sudden that whisper, that still small voice begins to come in and minister to your heart and fill you up. So let me, let me share this with you and I'm gonna let you go. Oftentimes things we're facing that we're going through and we're trying to find an answer for, we're not going to find it in the fire and in the earthquake and in the wind. But if I can get alone with God, God will show me how to get through it. So David had spent some alone time with God on a hill. Just God and, and the sheep there. And a giant showed up trying to rock his world. But David had disconnected and so he could reconnect with God. And when the giant showed up, David looked at him and said, who do you think you are? <laughs> you see, because the obstacle isn't what David was focused on any longer. It was the, his relationship with God. And he looked at Goliath and said, God 
is going to deliver you into my hand today. So as, as, as you look at your neighbor one last time, look at your neighbor one last time. I'm going to let you go on this one, I promise, maybe. Are, are you looking at your neighbor and say this, say this with me? I want you to know there's some fire up in here. <laughs> I want you to know I feel the winds of revival. <laughs> And I want you to know I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this house. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this congregation. I pray, God, that you bless them going out and coming in. God, that we understand that you've made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. God, that, that no enemy will be able to stand before us. And Father, you're filling us up so we can flow in your power, in your fire, and in your love. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. Like the end, oh Lord, you are more than enough.